Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. and collecting is about toys, but it might not be for your children, especially if you don't like words like f**k or sh** or a**hole. Are you ready, kids? Get your parents' permission, check your mailbox, and grab your shopping cart. It's time for the Adventures in Collecting podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Dave. Welcome Welcome to to Adventures Adventures in Collecting. Collecting where we talk toy news, culture, and hauls, along with our journeys as collectors. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Adventures in Collecting. Hi. Dave. Eric. We are back. We are. You, you paused like I did for the we are back. Like, well, yeah. I mean, you're going to confuse people. I had to, I had to, I mean, we are brothers after all. There's, there's, you know, genetics at play here. Yeah. If we've not confused you all by now, then. <laughs> then you just haven't been paying attention. Then, <laughs> or, then or your you brand wouldn't new realize year. this is episode 99. 99. Dave, episode, well, so. It's, it's the Bradley Wright Phillips or Gretzky episode. <laughs> and it is, it is our 99, 99th numbered episodes so we have had more than 100 episodes for those of you that are gonna like come at us this is like those news things are episodes they it's real to me um but this is our 99th episode uh and you know as as you mentioned uh our our bradley wright phillips our wayne gretzky episode i don't I don't know what you call the 100th episode, but what we call the 100th episode. It also means we have to tag them now on, on Instagram. <laughs> Did we? we? I mean, Brad, Bradley's Bradley probably pays attention. Um, I doubt I doubt Gretzky does. He's He's got way too much going on. Um, but uh, our next episode, our 100th episode actually happens to also fall on our uh, annual Christmas spectacular. And uh, and we have some things planned. That's. I'm going to leave it at that mm-hmm. um, because I am not going to do something else. Yeah. You can't bury two leads in one episode. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Can't, can't do that. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like I've probably started out an episode with this before, but it, 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 uh, it applies to today's episode uh, very well. So I'm going to say it again. Um, if we've said it once or 
potentially twice. We've said it a million times, and uh, that's what's old is new again. Uh, and today's guest is the creator of something that truly embodies that. Nine to Five Warriors is a nostalgic-fueled, 90s-inspired toy line that harkens back to the days before the internet, where the story unfolded on TV, in commercials, on paper, in comics, and on toy cardbacks, and played out on living room floors. We'd like to welcome Brandon, creator of 9 to 5 Warriors, to the show. Brandon, welcome to Adventures in Collecting. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on. And congrats to 99, man. That's a huge achievement in podcasts. I, I don't think people realize how much work goes into making episodes. Well, thank you. And you're, you're, part of, you're now officially part of our history. So mm-hmm. greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. What's up, Dave? Hi. What's going on? <laughs> so uh, as this is a show about collecting, before we get into, uh, you know, get into the toy line, uh, tell us, uh, what are you currently collecting? Oh, man. So my collection is honestly super eclectic. It's truly like whatever like triggers some sort of nostalgic feeling or something for design inspiration. But honestly, I have everything from like Star Wars, WWF, like Tamagotchis, freaking Exosquad, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Ninja Turtles, of course. I'm looking around the room. Batman, Robocop, like anything that was just like, Definitely from the 90s and part of my childhood, I somehow have managed to order drunkenly, usually on eBay. <laughs> and it shows up in my room and I'm like, what is this? It's a Christmas surprise each time I open it. Yeah, don't. I like, I, I try to stay away from eBay, but I like to say, <laughs> don't drink in Mercari. Don't. Because <laughs> that, or, or Dave, you've been doing a lot of the whatnotting. So, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't. Oh, it's addicting. Don't whatnot and Mercari and eBay while you have a broken bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. There's that's a loaded, a loaded sentence. Oh um, boy, was it! <laughs> so, so you know, you have an eclectic, an eclectic collection. Uh, what's something recent that you picked up? Oh, this is embarrassing, actually. Uh, a tickle me Elmo. It's super random. <laughs> All right. So, like an, like an OG one, like one, from, yeah, like yeah. one from like the original run of them. Exactly. So the reason I picked that up is I saw like a viral video going around, and I'm like, shit, that was like to my recollection. I might be wrong, but like to my memory, that was like the true original viral sensation toy. That I'm not talking about like Star Wars. Yes, people are excited, lined up, but like where people trampled one another or did some messed up things to get their hands on it, kind of thing, and. I felt like that spurred, you know, other fads, like whether it's Beanie Babies. I could be completely wrong on timing, but to my recollection as a kid, I remember Tickle Me Elmo being the hottest item of like 96, you know? And I didn't even have it. (laughs) It was. I I mean, yeah. I I was going to say the ultimate 90s toy, to be honest. I think timing-wise, it it was definitely one of the first. I think the the, like original Bandai Red Power Ranger might have been before it because i think that's what jingle all the way ended up being based on like was mm-hmm. like the hype behind that figure it was close they're they all were like really roughly close. the same yeah. time even and beanie babies like they're all that was what's same cool ballpark. is like i remember that happening and then like every hot toy just kind of became like that sensation like everyone chasing it so yeah i randomly picked that one up definitely after seeing some random video and like Kind of was probably tipsy. I was like, why not? <laughs> I get it now. I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> it's such an eyesore. <laughs> I, I will never forget 
So my like weird tickle me Elmo <laughs> memory. <laughs> I will never forget going to midnight mass <laughs> on on Christmas Eve, and for some reason, the the priest at our church that we grew up going to and uh he he gave his sermon about tickle me elmo (laughs) and it was about how christmas like isn't about material things it's about family and all that but like he kept going back to the like wild popularity of tickle me elmo and for whatever reason i like and like full disclosure like you know not not like a religious adult but like for whatever reason, anytime I hear Tickle Me Elmo, I think of that weird <laughs> sermon from that year. And it just immediate, immediately brings me back to that weird moment, sitting there exhausted at our like local church, hearing about Tickle Me Elmo and just wanting to go home. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was like that was like high school. So I just think of like that to me was like and I didn't have a car or anything, so I had no way of doing this. But my friends that did, that was like the first flipping opportunity. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I remember. That's why, like, I was like, that was such a unique part of history. And yeah, like I said, my collection's like all about that. Just random things that like trigger something. I'm like, I want that. But that was like pre eBay, so people like mm-hmm. kids listening. This <laughs> there was no internet to sell this on, like. <laughs> It was like ads in the paper. Shady guy in the parking lot. Yeah. yeah. Filled with. Tickle me Elmo's. <laughs> and like, I don't know how they did it, but they, they did it. Like you think now it's like we were talking like, you know, Mercari and stuff. And now and then it was just like, yeah, here's like sign on a telephone pole. <laughs> we got the Elmo. Yeah, I have to I have to go meet this guy. He's in he's in a 92 Camry. In the back of Wolfbrook Mall, <laughs> and he's going to be there at six a.m. Gotta gotta go get my tickle me Elmo. Like it's it like jingle all the way. Like that's kind of accurate in a way. Hundred percent. That it was just like people meeting up places and you know basically flipping tickle me Elmos and Furbies and junk. <laughs> yes, the Furbies are another part of my collection. So. We've we've now talked about the journey to to tickle me Elmo <laughs> coming back into the collection. Um, but how about your journey into launching your own toy line? All right. So <clears throat> launch my own toy line coincided with lo- like starting to collect my toys. And at the time, it was like a legitimate reason I gave myself to buy said toys, like for inspiration and design, you know, aesthetics and just understanding like what made a great toy. So for me, when I started collecting and I started just having these like flashes of like freaking nostalgia, like hitting my body, I was just like, this was so amazing. Like these toys really sparked something in me. And I was, and my background is in film and digital productions. So it's my job to like know how to convey emotions through video. And for me, it was the first time to experience that through a physical product. And I was like, what is this? Like, and I want to, I want to make a toy like there was I'm not gonna lie as a kid there was always something kind of like in me that I kind of wanted to watch make a toy I'd watch commercials and be like that's weird like I would sell it like this like I don't know my brain was wired differently as a kid but there's definitely a 
an itch that I wanted to make a toy. And once flash forward to like 25, 26, once I started collecting, that just took over and I was like, I got to make this and I got to like, I got to create that feeling for the next generation growing up, you know? So, so you mentioned, you know, the, the nineties several times, you know, as being part Mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the era that like you kind of cut your teeth on when it came to toys and kind of design. So outside of just being like a familiar space for you, what, what drew you to kind of the nineties aesthetic when, uh, when you decided to make nine to five warriors? Um, honestly, yeah. Like when I look back at my collection, it's just bright colors. It's, I'll say this, honestly, I, I, and I know a lot of people say this about their generation and all that, but really it feels true that back then, whether it was the companies, the toy companies, they experimented and they had such a huge sense of creativity. And I felt like they, they weren't scared to make those, like those, uh, I'm losing my mind. They weren't scared to take those chances and like throw shit on the wall and see what stuck, you know? And today I feel like it's so quick to like look at the data and make sure you're riding on a trend and like look at tech and like see how it's coinciding with behavior. Oh, people are leaning towards blue. Let's make this. Like it's such a science now rather than like I made this because I fucking wanted to and it's a cool thing. It's a cool idea. And then that brings attention, you know? And to me, now I see like all these like toy companies, like no shade. I get it. Like you want to remake things. You want to re-release them because there's already a built-in audience that's, you know, taking in what that generation did, which was like build that story around those characters, really connect you deeply to that. So of course, yeah, you have X amount of millions to spend or whatever X amount of budget to spend on a toy. It makes sense to not spend that as much on marketing. You want to just jump into either reusing some molds that you have or, you know, diving deep into an already set fan base. So truly like nineties to me is just like, the last era, I guess, because honestly, before that, like with 70s, 60s, whatever, like there's just so much creativity flowing through all the industries, you know? And I think too, like, you know, like you said, like there, there was, the 90s was a time of experimentation, even with, you know, some of those, you know, familiar properties. Like I think of like, you know, when I think of the 90s, one of the first toy lines that comes to my mind is is always the, the Kenner Batman. And I mean, the most interesting Batman figures were the ones that, weren't in a comic book, weren't in the movie. You know, they had like, you know, the weird gold and black suit, you know, and like the Arctic Batman and like all all of like the, you know, incredible gadgets that they came with. Now everyone is very, you know, especially in those types of properties, right? Like the the Batmans, the MCUs, the even even the comic Marvel Legends, they're so concerned with accuracy. And like it having to represent this thing that exists and like this detail is not right because, you know, this artist drew it one way or, you know, in order to get the figure out in time, they only had storyboard art and it ended up not being screen accurate. And people get so hung up on that. Whereas, you know, we all grew up in a time where we wanted like, sure, we wanted the, the like all black Batman with the yellow and black logo to have the one that was in the movie. But like. <laughs> When he when it snowed outside here in New Jersey, we wanted Arctic Batman to go play in the backyard with, you know, like <laughs> or like the green Batman or like the gold one. Like there were yeah. Batman of every color. Yeah, it's so good. Funny you mentioned the Arctic. So I got the Arctic Batman right here. There it is. And this was like probably the third figure I bought in my collection because it just sparked so much memories of like I remember taking this guy in the bathtub and like the way the 
you know, the, the top piece goes over, it just made me think of a, like an uh, Aquanaut or something. Yeah, Scooby Gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just like that's what was cool about that era. It was just it's it allowed kids to and adults, whoever, like just spark imagination. Like there's something about all that creativity that like transferred from who was making it to whoever was playing with it. And when I say like <clears throat> nine to five warriors is a nineties inspired action figure aiming to recapture the Saturday morning cartoon era. That's what I'm talking about is like re-sparking imagination. And I'm trying to put that energy into the toys. There's thought and reason behind all the design aesthetics, limiting it to the five point articulation at the moment. You know, I'm totally open to making more articulations down the line, but like out the gate, I just wanted to stay true to what I knew as a kid I played with. And I look back at some of those toys, like Ninja Turtles, for instance, I made a joke, like I, I hadn't played with like a Ninja Turtles until again, I started collecting and it blew my mind that they didn't bend at the elbows or knees. And I was like, what? I was doing black, black flips with these dudes. And like, I remember so much. I can remember them sitting in cars and everything else. And I look now and it's like, just twisted the wrist, if anything, you know? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about design. The, the design of these figures are unique, but somehow also very familiar. Um, so it was the thought process in, divine, in defining their overall looks. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm collecting all these toys now. I'm spitballing my ideas and I've got like things I take from people that I like. I love Slimer's grin and Slimer's, you know, aesthetic. And, you know, you might not look at Brigadier Bouncy and be like, oh, that's Slimer. But there's elements that I loved about Slimer that was super expressive, a big mouth, big wide eyes that I'm like, I think he would make a cool toy. And, you know, like I just was inspired by different things and when I worked with one artist to bring the illustrations to life, like I just remember mentioning things like very expressive through the eyes, like certain facial features that I, again, pull from things I like, whether it be movies or actors, I just started pulling from things that like I really resonated with, but then the real magic, I think like what's cool is that they look really <laughs> toyetic, I guess is that cheesy way of saying it. But that comes down to Scott, Scott Hensey, which is one of the designers on, on the team for sculpting these guys. And the familiarity of that all, it comes from this guy literally sculpted half of my collection. Mm-hmm. And I, every single time I speak to him, I'm like, son of a bitch, you sculpted that too? Exo Squad, how is that possible? How did you do that? Like, it, he ends up doing everything that I loved. And it was just by destiny, like, I literally found him randomly and we hit it off, and he's brought those characters from the sketches to what you see them now. I, I we had no idea that Scott was involved in this project. This is now this the second time his name has popped up on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who else did you work? Did he work with uh, uh, Dollar Slice Bootlegs uh, oh, yeah. with the Slice City Rebels? Yeah. yeah. So yes, second second time Scott Scott has popped up and as a uh, as a creative on this show. But uh, I mean that explains it. You know, with a pedigree like Scott's. You know, mm-hmm. bringing those illustrations to life the way that you know he's been doing for man <laughs> for Longer a long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's and just another, it's incredible. And another um, sculptor I worked with was Seba from Planetary Dog Toys, and you guys might know him from uh, Plunderlings line. Ah, so yes, I found the like working with Scott leaves you with some limitations as far as like just to make a toy is like really freaking complicated, and like you factories they need certain files or things sent to them and 
with Scott, I literally just have that one hand sculpted prototype. So it's kind of like my baby. I got to make sure it's safe. Like it's my paint master. It's everything. But it also comes with some flaws of like it didn't, you know, the what he can do by hand needed to be cleaned up, you know, digitally to some degree. So I worked with like a local company that literally digitally scanned everything he he did, retained the details like so spot on. Then I had to hire Seba to clean them up. And then once I started working with Seba, I found that like such an awesome balance of like, holy shit, way more expensive and unnecessary, by the way. But this is all self-funded. So I'm like, fuck, I hate this. But I'm like, this is awesome. And it's worth it. I know it'll play off in the end. So I'm like, I'm working with Scott. He's doing his thing freaking years of experience, knocking out these characters, scanning them, working with Seba. And then Seba, certain characters, I'm like, I need you to just take full control of because Scotch, he's got a like working mechanism of as a Scotch tape, you know, dispenser. That's got to be precise. Scott's not going to be able to do that. And, you know, he, he ended up doing four characters completely digital, but with like the specifications of like, <laughs> turn off anything auto turn off all symmetry don't give it the perfectionist like of a digital sculpt mess up you know because that's the beauty of a hand sculpted piece there's just slight imperfections there's it's the thing that makes it feel like a life so so speaking of bringing these these characters to life uh mm-hmm. you know one of the things that's so important to this is the story you know is the story behind them and you know, it's a it's a very unique take on that kind of like like it kind of toes that line of sort of like a gross out toy, kind of like the California raisins, like yeah, you know, somewhere have, in like, that mad balls food fighters yeah, genre. Like, you know, it, it it exists somewhere in that world. So so tell us, how did you how did you come up with the story for, for nine to five warriors? So yeah, when I started this this project, by the way, for those like it's not new, it's not coming out like this year. It's been ten years in the making. So literally ten years ago, <clears throat> when I decided like I want to make this toy, I want to create that feeling. I literally did my due diligence, like okay, like how, why am I feeling that way when I when I'm, when I'm purchasing these things? Is it memories? Is it nostalgia? Like what was it? And it just came down to story. And like, I really resonated with the characters, you know, whether it's G.I. Joe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, X-Men, like the core of my real heart of my childhood collection was those three right there. And they, of course, had Saturday morning cartoons or um, uh, to follow, basically <laughs> 30 minute commercials. But when I decided to like focus on or when i decided to make a toy i had no no idea where to start like i'd be naive and dm someone like hey how can i make a toy like who's what factory can i use like i had no idea of anything and of course they left me on red or like just gave me bad advice or whatever so i started with what i knew and again being my film background i kind of just know story writing and script writing and i just start slowly surely but slowly like just started working on all the characters all the backstories and I know like stories usually good with tension and whatnot. So I'm like, I just started creating the drama within that and through whatever means I can actually create, which was basically trading pack cards and a comics book. Because at the end of the day, like toys were just so far down the pipeline. I just didn't know where to start. So, ha- but how'd you end up in a, in an office setting that okay, I think so- that's like a fun, I mean, sure. It gives you a bunch of these, uh, you know, inanimate objects to, you know, and anthropomorphize, you know, or whatever, whatever, make them anthropomorphic. Yeah. Um, so how did you end up there? So 
being in that creative field, I'm rarely in the office, but one summer I had to work an office job and I wanted to like blow my head off. Like it just was so boring. And I literally was just like kind of actually started playing with things around me that kind of reminded me as a kid when I was in school, I used to create my own action figures from the school supplies. So Major Eraser, for instance, is a genuine character that I used to create. I'd stick a thumbtack in like a pink eraser, draw in a crappy face and use paper clips as the arms and legs. So when I came up thinking of like, I want to create a toy store, like toy, I looked at all the classics I love, like Ninja Turtles, Food Fighters. And like, I remember those battles I used to have, even with the the toys I would create, especially Food Fighters. Like I was pissed as a kid. I discovered them when I was like in in 1993 so they were already discontinued mm-hmm. they were already technically vintage almost, and i discovered them randomly and they quickly became one of my favorites and they tied in re- really well with like the monsters i would create with the school supplies so when i thought of like oh i'll, I'll create a toy those ideas came straight to like the, the front of my mind and it kind of really all came really like gushing out of me. Like I, I was asked this question the other day and I was like, I like, honestly, this is like the easiest part for me because of my, 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 my history, I guess. And it was also the most fun to like, just really just like what this squad needs, you know, an explosion specialist. He needs to be goofy. This guy needs a, a, to be in mechanic. This guy needs to this, this and that, you know? So everything just started connecting really quickly. So you're telling an original story, which is awesome. Um, what are some of the challenges when trying to break into a market with a new story that people aren't already familiar with? Damn. So it, it does suck. Like at the end of the day, like any new brand is trying to break into Instagram is like, just trying to break someone's attention. I'm sure you guys experience this, like just selling the podcast. Like who are these guys? Like you just have to stay consistent. And like what I found is, you know, these toys in the bottom of my heart, like I want them to be for kids growing up today to market to a kid now is like extra hard, especially since there's no freaking Saturday morning cartoon. There's no programming to like inject these commercials. Um, so my thought process is I'll attract the adults who are now having kids themselves and grew up in the nineties and I'll make these toys exactly the way I would want it. You know, the tagline back in the day, was like, these, this is a toy line that you never got as a, a kid, but deserve as an adult. that stays true in in my heart is that I'm just showcasing things that I really enjoy and making things for myself, honestly. Like if I start sitting back and thinking like, oh, will people like this? Like people are mad that I'm using purple, for instance. And like, it's like, who cares? Like, it's just like, it's, it works in that dynamic. Like think of it as a cartoon. There does nothing makes sense. Like, but the color, bright colorful uh, contrast is what like makes a character pop and major racers, freaking pink i mean this is major embracers purple so i don't know yeah i mean it, it's it's tough and you brought up plunderlings before and uh you know we've had ricky on the show but we at uh at new york comic-con uh i stopped by their booth and was was just kind of sitting and watching um you know as people walked by and it was it was crazy to think like because Sure, like a couple times parents walk by with their kids and their kids are like, whoa, what are these? Like, yeah. you know, because they they have that like cherubic little mischievous look to them. And, you know, if if you've ever spoken to Ricky before, he once he starts talking about the plunderlings, he, he doesn't stop. And, uh, you know, he had these kids like their full attention. But then like a couple times the kids would be like, 
you know, where can I watch Plunder Lake? Yeah. And he's and he's like, well, <laughs> because, yeah. it, you know, the kids, I think these days are kids these days. Um, they're they're so connected yeah. to kind of everything. Like, I, yeah. I have a seven year old and her the number one thing on her Christmas list this year is like a smartwatch. And it's like, well, like time out. Like you're seven. Like, like, don't you want like a cool like toy or something? Like, I, I'm not getting you a smartwatch. Um, it, and I think they're just so used to being connected that like, that's why some of these familiar these things that are familiar wrestling figures, Batman, Spider Man, you know, they're everywhere. Like the properties are everywhere, and it's so saturated they almost like can't miss. Yeah. So it, you know, I think you're in a position where you have this background in, you know, video production and, you know, you're telling this unique story and, you know, the design of the figures are like, like we said, kind of toe that like gross attention grabbing design. Um, I think you're in a unique position to, you know, potentially get that story out there and, you know, attract people to the, the toys. 100%. And so my also the approach has been doing these commercials that are very much in line with the nineties nostalgia style of like cheesy narrator. And I'm experimenting going further and further, like making longer form videos, like the last like long form of course being like two minutes. But the last two I did was like really just went into, I got to introduce the entire lineup. So I go through like introducing the water cooler commandos who are the good guys. And I went through like each one, major racer, a one liner, you know, Lieutenant Led, a one-liner, Brigadier Bouncy, a one-liner. And so now I am going to keep like developing that exactly, like just do what I know best of making these videos, um, these commercials in that style. Because again, it it's what's true to, to my art, like what I enjoy making and looks cool. It, like it fits the theme because modern day toy commercials, like <laughs> they're kind of weird. Like they're, they try, they tiptoe the line of like, trying to have excited kids and like kind of reflect back to the nineties, like, Oh, yay. Come on. I can do this. Like, and it's like, what the hell? This is kind of weird, but you instantly add that VHS filter or you play with these, the, I think it's also the, the fact that these characters look like they're in a straight, like the nineties. And I have the animation that looks like it's in the nineties that it just all flows. And I'm getting just really good responses and like people are getting the story and like really sending me DMs like, oh my God, I love Corporal Can, this, this and that. And like, holy shit, like I, I was scared about Corporal Can. It's literally a can of nuts. Like I was really worried, worried about like, first off, how am I going to make a toy out of that? That's like a whole different story. And it worked out really well because the inspiration behind the <laughs> Corporal Can is like the... The old army men buckets, you know, you pop open the bucket and there's like the army men things that you plant around your room. You're like espionage and you're like, you have your own tactical things. And that was the thought process put into Corporal Can. And I'm like super happy that it's actually resonating with people and they're getting it. And they're like, it's the top seller. And I was like, what the fuck? That's crazy. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Now, speaking of top seller, this line is available exclusively on Big Bad Toy Store. Um, how did you form that partnership? So it's not exclusively. Uh, I, <clears throat> I left it open so that um, they also warn, like they don't know if their reach can help me get it across the line because it's ke- technically it's a Kickstarter without the Kickstarter. I am still needing to raise the X amount of uh, funds to get these figures across the line and produce. Uh, the good thing is if you kind of are on the fence, by the way, if like you're thinking of pre-ordering like Big Bad Toy Store doesn't, 
charge you until they're shipped. So that's probably not until summer of 2023. So if you're interested, putting the trigger and making a pre-order helps it like show the demand and helps me get that that finish line. But the partnership started like last year. Um, I failed my first Kickstarter. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, going back to like how do you break into a new market? <laughs> I started Kickstarter at like and it gives you like a 30 day timer that I just naively like oh yeah 30 days sounds right. And on that day I started marketing. Like usually for a Kickstarter you have to do it like six months to a year prior. So I started marketing it. People didn't freaking reach out to me or hear about it until like day 28. So ultimately it failed. But a lot of the feedback I got was, can you make more characters? And Joel, I reached out to him back then to, you know, help get the the pre-orders of the, the Kickstarter through. And he just, he and I just started talking. He was, I asked him for advice, basically, what he thinks would sell he agreed with more characters. And from there, like I just started developing, taking this time this whole year to really just get the prototypes in the right state, create enough assets. And now they're on Big Bad Toy Store. And now a word from our sponsors. This segment is brought to you by our friends at Chubsy Wubsy Toys. A traditional mom-and-pop toy store in Little Falls, New Jersey, Chubsy Wubsy Toys brings you the best new toys from the brands you love without the hassle of pounding the pavement, searching for them at larger retail stores. Visit them in person at 106 Main Street in Little Falls, New Jersey, or online at ChubsyWubsy.com. That's C-H-U-B-Z-Z-Y-W-U-B-Z-Z-Y.com. And tell them Adventures in Collecting sent you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pop into a new career with CGC, the world leader in pop culture collectibles grading. CGC is seeking world-class Funko Pop experts to lead a new division dedicated to authenticating and grading collectible toys. This is an incredible opportunity to help build a new grading service in a hot collectibles category. Think you can play the part? Apply today at cgcgrading.com forward slash careers. That's cgcgrading.com forward slash careers. So, Eric, I ran to the store today and I was doing that power walking thing to the toy aisle. The guy next to me was, too. And guess what happened? You were both headed for the same figure, weren't you? Yep, but I got there first. Now that's a close shave. You know what else is? A nice trim thanks to this show's sponsor, Manscaped. Dang right, Dave. And that's the kind of close shave I can get behind. And you all should, too. I just used the Mower 4.0 with its cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000K LED spotlight if you need a more precise shave. And if you thought that was good, you can take your grooming game even further. You can take it to the next level. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. 
And don't forget about their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. They'll change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, guys. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code AIC at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 14 million balls. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code AIC. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And now back to the show. So, so like you mentioned, you know, there is a crowdfunding element to this. Um, How are the pre-orders going so far in in terms of, you know, getting towards your production goal and, and kind of, is there a end date? Like, is there a, is there a cutoff? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm for some figures, I'm right at the 50, 50% line right now, which is awesome. Um, There is a cutoff date of January, but, I that's a cutoff day for Big Bad Toy Store. For I made it limited time for Big Bad Toy Store. I really was hoping that I could probably reach all my demand through Big Bad Toy Store, and that's just really out of ease. Like the reason I didn't do Kickstarter is like I don't want a pallet shipped to me from China and then figure out distribution. Um, that's just a headache I really didn't want. And Big Bad Toy Store handles that really well. They got the fulfillment locked down, and it just made sense to me. Like if I can just ship once. To one place and they distribute to everyone then makes my life easy but come january i'll open up if i don't reach my goal um i really do hope i reach my goal by then just again out of the ease but yeah from from that point on i need 500 of each character to be pre-ordered and like i said i'm close to the 50 percent mark and essentially once that happens then i move into production for china through china so now is it is it kind of like an all or nothing thing? Like if if a couple of the characters hit that goal, will those characters get produced and the others won't? Or is it? I got the mindset of like, I'm going to find a way to make this happen at this point. Like I've gotten really good reception. I'm falling in love with them more and more. Like now that they're all made and like out of my mind, you know, and into my hands, like I'm like, shit, this is awesome. I really want this for myself <laughs> at the end of the day. Like I really hope I can get these manufactured to be done properly the way they're intended. Um, so I'm, I'm going out all the stops, you know, as an entrepreneur, like I'm hustling, seeing what I can barter. Everyone needs video. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just, I'm busting mass to even self fund this. Like I made it happen and it's expensive endeavor. And I'm like, I'm just, once I have my eye on the prize, like I'm just trying to make it happen. So outside of the 10 featured characters, are there more in the works for a wave two? Um, should wave one go into production? Yeah, hundred percent. So the beauty of we didn't even talk about the story, but the main character, uh, the main bad guy, is Colonel Custard, and essentially his demeanor is he's out for total office domination. So his mindset is, as a delicious donut that he was before he was created, you know, some office worker took a bite out of him, said yuck, spit it out, and tossed him in the trash because he was stale. So once he was sparked to life, he held that resentment against his humanity, like stupid, wasteful humans. So he's all set out on searching for Jensei, which is the energy drink that created them all, to create new minions along the way and essentially take over the office and if not the world, you know? 
So there will be lots more characters, endless characters, as 90s cartoons alluded us, like the bad guys always somehow get away. <laughs> so as far as Series 2, I definitely want to get into Army Builders. Uh, I got a lot of requests there. So I have some ideas on the works, like these egg-style characters that could be sold in three packs. Um, and then the stapler remover supply seeklers, which basically are like chompers. <laughs> nice. That was so, always the best toy. Everyone always wanted the stapler remover. I mean, it was just basically like a built-in monster to begin with. There you go. So those are the the uh, the first base ideas. Of of course, there's going to be new characters, but my focus right now is like these ten. People are already asking for freaking playsets and vehicles. I'm like, you don't know how expensive this is, man. Let me get these through the line. I promise. Let these happen. Oh my god, it's it's game over. Then it's like, then it becomes fucking fun and throwing shit on the wall to see what sticks. Like my version of that, you know. This is my version of this. This is my version of that. I mean, it's it's one thing, you know. <laughs> doesn't matter how big or small, you know, your your toy production is. People that are just casual collectors, you know, they don't realize what goes into making a toy. And, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if there's one thing we've learned in the, you know, three years of doing the show is there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's great that everyone is excited and wants, you know, a playset and a car. And, you know, I, I, my, my gears are already spinning of what that would even look like for, you know, for nine to five warriors. But like, let's, Let's get wave one out the door first. <laughs> no, and it's I want to educate people on the process because I think that's a huge thing that like, like going back to Ricky, like Ricky and I are, are brothers at this point. I love that guy. Like we met a year ago too. It turned out he ended up like kind of moving to Miami where I'm at now. And so it's great to like work alongside of, we have two completely different lines, but we still have like, I'm glad you brought that up. It's like, they have such charisma and that to me is just the imagination pouring through it. He's got like passion for days and it, it sucks to hear, you know, fans. The first thing is like, Oh, my figures, by the way, I made them $25. Don't ask me how I'm losing money on every single one, but I wanted them to be as low as possible. So they are accessible. And people, the first comment I saw on Twitter is like, $25. It's crazy. This is, I get my Marvel Legends. I'm like, bro, do you realize that Marvel Legends and Hasbro, talk to Mattel. They're the ones that are charging still $30, $45 a figure that are getting away with it. Like me charging $25 when it should be $40, unfortunately. It's like realistically, the amount of money that goes into the tooling, all this other stuff, like that's what sucks is that I'm just trying to get these out the gate. And then unfortunately, there's such a high cost through that. But I think people, once they educate themselves, like on the process and start, you know, supporting these indie makers, because that's, what's exciting, seeing what other people are making and bringing to the table. And I felt like where the larger companies are lacking right now and kind of just recycling ideas and seeing what's like they can redo right now. These guys, you know, the Rickies, freaking Fox Forge toys, uh, futuristic combat soldiers, there's Dimension X, like there's such a cool underground like like say like underground like storms brewing of like creativity and people just putting out fucking cool toys but of course they're limited you know they could only do maybe a 40 run or 100 run and then of course the price of the figure becomes like an artwork you know it's like 125 dollars still worth it but it sucks that like you want those figures to reach the numbers that like 
that justify or or make it that Marvel legend, you know, status. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it's there's two different ways to cash in on nostalgia is you know, telling uh, you know, telling the story that's been told already and you know, like there are many lines out there that are successfully doing that. GI Joe, you know, we've mentioned it before, but like wrestling is like constantly putting mm-hmm. out like a new a new wrestler like alongside of, you know, a legend or, you know, somebody from 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, so that's that's one way to cash in on nostalgia. And then the other way is to take the part of the like like what you guys are doing where you're taking kind of like those feelings and you're kind of morphing them into and and molding them into a new story that kind of brings brings you back to that that time period. And, you know, like you said, it's for for indie toy makers, it's it's a it's definitely an uphill it's an uphill battle and i and i think the more you know we kind of get these stories out there you know and 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 the more that we kind of you know pull back the curtain right and and show what it takes to actually make a toy from start to finish i think that's important for for people to know no and i that's what's cool like that's why i started listening to you guys like, <clears throat> like i appreciate like getting that insight seeing new discovering new trends like discovering new players on the field too and just understanding also you know there's the middle ground you know the the cells that are not quite there and even the super sevens that i feel like surpass that middle ground now they're a larger player but they're still producing small runs you know but it's just cool to also see like the next progression i would love to you know get to that status like nine to five warriors is just a start Nothing I do will always be in that 90s realm, but this was special to my heart of like just a passion project that like the show is, or if the show ever does exist, the show will be set in the 90s. It will be a period piece, you know? And it's because it's just true to my heart. Like that was something I loved, you know? I could talk about that for days, you know? But the next thing, like I would love to get into different action figures altogether and just making cool toys again, like just whatever creativity I have in here and just put it out there and, and give it a shot you know well the thing that i like that strikes me too with these is like you know you think of the creativity that you see and it kind of matches in a way like everybody's creativity like how many times did you use like a coffee lid as something or paper clips or you know, rubber bands or anything along those lines. Like a stapler is a very articulated thing, like, you know, or cassette tape covers, you know, like stuff like door cases. That stuff was accessories when there was no other accessories. So to see it turn into this toy line that's built out of this stuff that you think of in one way, and it's now this other thing, (laughs) um, that in itself is just something that's just so, you know, remarkably brilliant for like, it's that thing where you look at it and you go, you know, how has nobody thought of this? It's just so, it's so remarkably brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly, that's like, that means a lot. Like, honestly, I'm just trying to, as I said, like re-spark imagination that to me, I know fidgets, fidget spinners and fidget toys are like on the rise of like, as we, just try, you know, whether it's easing anxiety or just trying to like get away from the the craziness of our world. Like the idea of putting these in your cubicle or home office or in your, your kitchen, whatever the hell, like that's what's cool with the scale. They work anywhere. 
And if you can take that moment to like play with your toys or just feel like just get lost in that the story and take that I've I've heard people, you know, sending me DMs already of like creating their own characters. And that's what's freaking cool. Is like it's already happening. And I gotta remember that too as a creator because the first thing I'm gonna reach is imposter syndrome and I'll start questioning, is this fucking good? Is this good? Should it be purple? Damn it. <laughs> so I don't know. I really mean it means a lot to hear that because that's that's the the ultimate aim at this end of the day, you know. Just let's let's reignite that imagination and creativity of what toys originally did for all of us, you know. Mm-hmm. Imposter syndrome. It eventually comes for us all. Also, I'm gonna tell you just everything. Never like deny something being purple. I'm just yeah. Throw that the out. best things in life are purple. Donatello, Prince. <laughs> Thank you. Grape soda. (laughs) Best things in life are purple. Um, Listen, uh, Brandon, before we let you go, uh, Dave, would you like to fulfill your role as this podcast's James Lipton and ask our final question? Absolutely. The final question that we ask to all of our guests. What is your favorite and or strangest piece in your collection? It can be one of each. Or it can be both. I love it. Okay. So the strangers, I have this ready because I have no idea what the hell this is. And it's just called Butt Ugly Martians. And this was a, a thing I purchased specifically because of the the packaging. And for those that are listening, it's basically a VHS across the, the top, like horizontally. Underneath it is four miniature characters, well, six in total. And then a deck of cards spread out. And like, that to me is like, this is the ultimate packaging. Like if I can do something like this for nine to five warriors later on, like this is cool. So I never heard of the show. I think this was like in that phase of when 90s started getting ugly. Are you talking about my figures? Like there's like, like that big, bad beetle Borg or whatever. That was yeah, big, bad be- <laughs> big, bad beetle Borgs. Yeah. There is some weird CGI mishaps that like kind of just are like, whatever, let's try it. <laughs> But I think this was in that reign. If people know about it, please let me know about it. But big butt ugly Martians was one of that. And just got it for the the, the packaging. My favorite things, um I think it's Exo Squad, I'm gonna have to say, because there's I think I love the miniature scale of this, like the flat box opening, you know, the cool mech thing. When Avatar came out, I was like Oh my god, that's Exo Squad. That the machine is freaking cool, <laughs> and I like instantly reminded me of that. And this was a cool toy. I just this is before you know companies started getting sued for poking kids' eyes out because missiles actually fired. Like this shit would fire across the room like really well. <laughs> and I don't know. These were some of my favorites growing up. The Exo Squad. If I can ever get into licensing. I will go ahead and do what I said, which sucks. It's like, I will remake the Exo Squad. I will gladly remake that. <laughs> Not because no one knows about it, because like that could be such a sick movie right now. I'm, I'm honestly, it's, there are a couple of toy lines that come up every now and then where people are like, oh man, I can't believe that, you know, that somebody hasn't, you know, like, I don't, I don't know who has the Exo Squad license at this point, whether it's, you know, whether it's Mattel or Hasbro or, or somebody or nobody, maybe it's nobody. Um, but, uh, that's one of the ones that like, I can't believe with like 
how much people love Gundam and you know Pacific and Rim and this, Avatar. Yeah, it just it's unbelievable yeah. that Exo Squad has just has nobody has touched it. The two I, the two that blow my mind it's Exo Squad and I still cannot believe nobody has remade Battle Beasts, especially yeah. with all of like the blind box like experiences that people have. Like blind bagged yeah. Battle Beasts would be, I I, I can't imagine they wouldn't sell, but. <laughs> The thing that blows my mind with that butt ugly Martians thing is like, it's like, oh, you don't like figures? Well, cool. Here's a videotape. Oh, you don't like cartoons? Well, here's a card game. <laughs> it really is a shock. It's like hedging approach. its bets. It was like, here's everything. Like one of these. The only thing it was missing was a pog. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, who knows? It could be stuck in there for all I know. That's what's cool. <laughs> Oh man! One other toy line that should be remade to top, top this off. I mean, this is um, Bots Masters. You guys remember the show? No. Bots Masters. Bots, and like their call tag at the end was like, "It's laser time, boys!" And you put on 3D glasses, and it'd be fucking like a 3D spectacular battle fight. But that show as a movie today would be sick. It's basically like, oh this, no, I do remember this. It's sick. Like that that storyline, the whole futuristic cyberpunk style like that would be such a good movie right now this was Let a this was a, a a saban uh yeah joint here in the u.s yeah i remember the bots master yeah that actually would that actually would fly right those now. those characters are sick they're funny there's just like oh man that everything about that is would be a, a really good show dave you would have loved the show there was a um there was like a, I forget what his name was, but there was a robot that was like obsessed with baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just called sports. It just made it simple. Like that's yeah. sports or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I think his name might've been sports. I think, <laughs> but he had like a robotic baseball bat, like a baseball glove. That's yeah, man. I haven't thought oh, about boxing in now. a while. You can't beat simplicity. Like, People are like, what's the major, what's the eraser guy's name? Like, major eraser. <laughs> like, it's simple. <laughs> you, hopefully you won't forget it, you know, the end. Oh, uh, this was made by, co-created by Avi Arad and the guy yeah. who created Inspector Gadget. Mm-hmm. It totally has that vibe. Yeah, it was a, it was a good card. I'm, I'm going to have to go on YouTube and go down the rabbit hole on this because I haven't oh, watched I wanna... it in like forever. Yeah, I want to try to see this. I'm honestly surprised that uh, that Dan Larson hasn't done <laughs> hasn't Bots done an episode Master. on on Botsmaster yet. Might have to t- might have to tweet him. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'll be I'll be down to be part of that. That's awesome. Like they used to have it on, if I'm not mistaken. I'm kind of getting mixed with Exo Squad, but before Hulu got crazy crazy popular, like a few years back, like. Um, they had either Exo Squad or Bots Master streaming on that, and now they took it off. I'm like, damn. Yeah, it's probably sitting on like Pluto or uh, Tubi, one of those, <laughs> one of those, uh, those free to watch ones. Well, Brandon, before we let you go, man, where can we um, t- tell our tell our listeners uh, where can they learn more about Nine to Five Warriors, and more importantly, where can they uh, pre order? Nine to five warriors.com is probably the easiest. Everything's there. You can learn the story of each character. There's tons of videos. There's like all the links go to Big Bad Toy Store where you'll have to pre order if you're interested. And again, if you're on the fence or you like kind of 
short on cash, whatever. Don't stress it yet because I know it's during the holiday season. Like, thankfully, nothing gets charged until it ships. And it'd be, you'd mean the world to me if you guys support it. So thank you guys. All right, Brandon, uh, we'll make sure we include links to those, uh, you know, links to the website. And of course, you know, on, on social media, uh, in, in our, uh, episode description. Thank you so much for stopping by and, uh, and telling us about, uh, nine to five warriors, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys. Dave, send us home. Bye everyone. We'll see you for episode 100. Thank you, dear listener, for hanging out with us today. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen, and then tell your friends to do it. Thanks also to Joe Azari, the golden voice behind our intro. Our music is Game Boy Horror by the Zombie Dandies. Find more about them both in our show notes. Follow us on social media at AIC underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Stop by and say hi. Show us your toy hauls and share your toy stories. Maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Don't try this at home. Voidware prohibited and some assembly required. Each sold separately, not a flying toy. Consult a physician if your toy run exceeds more than four hours. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.